This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Catherine Eastman. February 2007. Paradise Lost by John Milton. Book Four, Part One. Oh, for that warning voice, which he who saw the apocalypse heard cry in heaven aloud, then when the dragon, put to second rout, came furious down to be revenged on men, woe to the inhabitants on earth, that now, while time was, our first parents had been warned the coming of their secret foe, and scaped happily so scaped his mortal snare, for now Satan, now first inflamed with rage, came down, the tempter ere the accuser of mankind, to wreck on innocent, frail man his loss of that first battle, and his flight to hell. Yet not rejoicing in his speed, though bold, far off and fearless, nor with cause to boast, begins his dire attempt, which nigh the birth now rolling boils in his tumultuous breast, and like a devilish engine back recoils upon himself. Horror and doubt distract his troubled thoughts, and from the bottom stir the hell within him, for within him hell he brings and round about him, nor from hell one step no more than from himself can fly by change of place. Now conscience wakes despair that slumbered, wakes the bitter memory of what he was, what is, and what must be worse, of worse deeds, worse sufferings must ensue. Sometimes towards Eden, which now in his view lay pleasant, his grieved look he fixes sad. Sometimes towards heaven and the full blazing sun, which now sat high in his meridian tower, then much revolving, thus in sighs began. O thou that with surpassing glory crowned, Look'st from thy sole dominion like the god of this new world, At whose sight all the stars hide their diminished heads, To thee I call, but with no friendly voice, and add thy name, O son, to tell thee how I hate thy beams, That bring to my remembrance from what state I fell, How glorious once above thy sphere, Till pride and worse ambition threw me down, Warring in heaven against heaven's matchless king. Ah, wherefore? He deserved no such return from me, Whom he created what I was in that bright eminence, and with his good upbraided none, nor was his service hard. What could be less than to afford him praise, the easiest recompense, and pay him thanks? How do? Yet all his good proved ill in me, and wrought but malice. Lifted up so high, I feigned subjection, and thought one step higher would set me highest, 
and in a moment quit the debt immense of endless gratitude so burdensome, still paying, still to owe, forgetful what from him I still received, and understood not that a grateful mind by owing owes not, but still pays, at once indebted and discharged. What burden, then? Oh, had his powerful destiny ordained me some inferior angel, I had stood then happy. No unbounded hope had raised ambition. Yet, why not? Some other power as great might have aspired, and me, though mean, drawn to his part. But other powers as great fell not, but stand unshaken, from within or from without, to all temptations armed. Hadst thou the same free will and power to stand? Thou hadst. Whom hast thou then, or what to accuse, but heaven's free love dealt equally to all? Be then his love accursed, since love or hate to me alike it deals eternal woe. Nay, cursed be thou, since against his thy will chose freely what it now so justly rues. Me miserable! Which way shall I fly infinite wrath and infinite despair? Which way I fly is hell. Myself am hell. And in the lowest deep a lower deep still threatening to devour me opens wide, to which the hell I suffer seems a heaven. Oh, then, at last, relent. Is there no place left for repentance? None for pardon left? None left, but by submission. And that word, disdain, forbids me. And my dread of shame among the spirits beneath whom I seduced with other promises and other vaunts than to submit, boasting I could subdue the omnipotent. Ay, me, they little know how dearly I abide that boast so vain, under what torments inwardly I groan, while they adore me on the throne of hell, with diadem and scepter high advanced, the lower still I fall only supreme in misery. Such joy ambition finds. But say I could repent, and could obtain by act of grace my former state, how soon would height recall high thoughts? How soon unsay what feigned submission swore? Ease would recant vows made in pain as violent and void. For never can true reconcilement grow Where wounds of deadly hate have pierced so deep, Which would but lead me to a worse relapse and heavier fall. So should I purchase dear short intermission, Bought with double smart. This knows my punisher. Therefore, as far from granting he, As I from begging peace, all hope, Excluded thus. Behold, instead of us outcast, exiled, his new delight, mankind created, and for him this world. So farewell, hope, and with hope farewell fear, 
Farewell, remorse. All good to me is lost. Evil, be thou my good. By thee, at least, divided empire with heaven's king, I hold by thee, and more than half perhaps will reign, as man ere long and this new world shall know. Thus while he spake, each passion dimmed his face, thrice changed with pale ire, envy, and despair, which marred his borrowed visage, and betrayed him counterfeit, if any eye beheld. For heavenly minds, from such distempers foul, are ever clear, whereof he soon aware, each perturbation smoothed with outward calm, artificer of fraud, and was the first that practised falsehood under saintly show, deep malice to conceal, couched with revenge. Yet not enough had practised to deceive Uriel once warned, whose eye pursued him down the way he went, and on the Assyrian mount saw him disfigured, more than could befall spirit of happy sort. His gestures fierce he marked, and mad demeanour, then alone, as he supposed, all observed, unseen. So on he fares, and to the border comes of Eden, where delicious paradise, now nearer, crowns with her enclosure green, as with a rural mound the champagne head of a steep wilderness, whose hairy sides with thicket overgrown, grotesque and wild, access denied. And overhead, up grew insuperable height of loftiest shade, cedar, and pine, and fir, and branching palm, a sylvan scene. And as the ranks ascend, shade above shade, a woody theatre of stateliest view. Yet higher than their tops, the virtuous wall of paradise upsprung, which to our general sire gave prospect large into his nether empire neighboring round. And higher than that wall, a circling row of goodliest trees, loaden with fairest fruit, blossoms and fruits at once of golden hue appeared, with gay enameled colors mixed, on which the sun more glad impressed his beams than in fair evening cloud or humid bow, when God hath showered the earth, so lovely seemed that landscape, and of pure, now purer air meets his approach, and to the heart inspires vernal delight and joy, able to drive all sadness but despair. Now gentle gales, fanning their odiferous wings, dispense native perfumes, and whisper whence they stole those balmy spoils as when to them who sail beyond the Cape of Hope, and now are past Mozambique, off at sea northeast winds blow Sabian odors from the spicy shore of Araby the Blest. With such delay well pleased, they slack their course, and many a league cheered with the grateful smell old ocean smiles. So entertained those odorous sweets, the fiend who came their bane, though with them better pleased than Asmodeus with the fishy fume that drove him, though enamoured, from the spouse of Tobit's son, and with a vengeance sent from Media-post to Egypt, 
there fast bound. Now, to the ascent of that steep, savage hill, Satan had journeyed on, pensive and slow, but further way found none, so thick entwined as one continued break, the undergrowth of shrubs and tangling bushes, had perplexed all path of man or beast that passed that way. One gate there only was, and that looked east on the other side, which, when the arch-villain saw due entrance, he disdained, and in contempt, at one slight bound, high overleaped all bound of hill or highest wall, and sheer within lights on his feet. As when a prowling wolf, whom hunger drives to seek new haunt for prey, watching where shepherds pen their flocks at eve, in hurdled coats amid the field secure, leaps o'er the fence with ease into the fold, or as a thief bent to unhoard the cash of some rich burgher, whose substantial doors, cross-barred and bolted fast, fear no assault, in at the window climbs, or o'er the tiles. So clumb this first grand thief into God's fold. So since into his church lewd hirelings climb. Thence up he flew, and on the tree of life, the middle tree, and highest there that grew, sat like a cormorant. Yet not true life thereby regained, but sat devising death to them who lived, nor on the virtue thought of that life-giving plant, but only used for prospect, what well used had been the pledge of immortality. So little knows any but God alone to value right the good before him, but perverts best things to worst abuse or to their meanest use. Beneath him, with new wonder, now he views to all delight of human sense exposed, in narrow room, nature's whole wealth, yea, more, a heaven on earth, for blissful paradise of God the garden was, by him in the east of Eden planted. Eden stretched her line from Oran eastward to the royal towers of great Seleucia, built by Grecian kings or where the sons of Eden long before dwelt in Telasser, in this pleasant soil his far more pleasant garden God ordained. Out of the fertile ground he caused to grow all trees of noblest kind for sight, smell, taste, and all amid them stood the tree of life, high eminent, blooming ambrosial fruit of vegetable gold, and next to life, our death, the tree of knowledge, grew fast by, knowledge of good, bought dear, by knowing ill. Southward through Eden went a river large, nor changed his course, but through the shaggy hill, passed underneath, engulfed, for God had thrown that mountain as his garden mould high raised upon the rapid current, which through veins of porous earth with kindly thirst updrawn rose a fresh fountain, and with many a rill watered the garden, thence united fell down the steep glade, and met the nether flood, 
which from his darksome passage now appears, and now divided into four main streams, runs diverse, wandering many a famous realm and country, whereof here needs no account. But rather, to tell how, if art could tell, how from that sapphire fount the crisped brooks, rolling on orient pearl and sands of gold, with mazy error under pendant shades, ran nectar, visiting each plant, and fed flowers worthy of paradise, which not nice art in beds and curious knots, but nature boon powered forth profuse on hill and dale and plain, both where the morning sun first warmly smote the open field, and where the unpierced shade embrowned the noontide bowers. Thus was this place, a happy rural seat of various view, groves whose rich trees wept odorous gums and balm, others whose fruit, burnished with golden rind, hung amiable, Hesperian fables true, if true, here only, and of delicious taste. Betwixt them lawns, or level downs, and flocks, grazing the tender herb, were interposed, or palmy hillock, or the flowery lap of some irriguous valley spread her store. Flowers of all hue, and without thorn the rose. Another side, umbrageous grots and caves of cool recess, o'er which the mantling vine lays forth her purple grape, and gently creeps luxuriant. Meanwhile, murmuring waters fall down the slope hills dispersed, or, in a lake that to the fringed bank with myrtle crowned, her crystal mirror holds, unite their streams. The birds their choir apply, airs, vernal airs, breathing the smell of field and grove, attune their trembling leaves, while universal pan, knit with the graces and the hours in dance, led on the eternal spring. Not that fair field of Anna, where Proserpine, gathering flowers, herself a fairer flower by gloomy dis was gathered, which cost Ceres all that pain to seek her through the world, nor that sweet grove of Daphne by Orontes, and the inspired Castalian spring might with this paradise of Eden strive, nor that Nicaean isle, girt with the river Triton, where old Cham, whom Gentiles Ammon call, and Libyan, Jove, hid Amalthea and her florid son, young Bacchus, from his stepdame Rhea's eye, nor where Abyssin kings their issue guard, Mount Amara, though this by some supposed true paradise under the Ethiop line by Nilus's head, enclosed with shining rock, a whole day's journey high, but wide remote from this Assyrian garden, where the fiend saw undelighted, all delight, all kind of living creatures, new to sight and strange. Two of far nobler shape, erect and tall, godlike erect, with native honor clad in naked majesty, seemed lords of all, and worthy seemed, for in their looks divine the image of their glorious maker shone, truth, wisdom, sanctitude severe and pure, severe, 
but in true filial freedom placed, whence true authority in men. Though both not equal, as their sex not equal seemed, for contemplation he and valor formed, for softness she and sweet attractive grace, he for God only, she for God in him, his fair large front and eye sublime declared absolute rule, and hyacinthine locks round from his parted forelock manly hung clustering, but not beneath his shoulders broad. She, as a veil down to the slender waist, her unadorned golden tresses wore dishevelled, but in wanton ringlets waved as the vine curls her tendrils, which implied subjection, but required with gentle sway, and by her yielded, by him best received, yielded with coy submission, modest pride, and sweet reluctant amorous delay. Nor those mysterious parts were then concealed. Then was not guilty shame, dishonest shame of nature's works, honour dishonourable, sin-bred, how have ye troubled all mankind with shows instead, mere shows of seeming pure, and banished from man's life, his happiest life, simplicity and spotless innocence. So passed they naked on, nor shunned the sight of God or angel, for they thought no ill. So hand in hand they passed, the loveliest pair, that ever since in love's embraces met, Adam, the goodliest man of men since born his sons, the fairest of her daughters, Eve. Under a tuft of shade that on a green stood whispering soft, by a fresh fountain-side they sat them down, and after no more toil of their sweet gardening labour than sufficed to recommend cool zephyr, and made ease more easy, wholesome thirst and appetite more grateful, to their supper-fruits they fell, nectarian fruits which the compliant boughs yielded them sidelong as they sat reclined on the soft downy bank damasked with flowers. The savoury pulp they chew, and in the rind still as they thirsted scoop the brimming stream. Nor gentle purpose, nor endearing smiles wanted, nor youthful dalliance as beseems fair couple, linked in happy nuptial league alone as they. About them, frisking, played all beasts of the earth since wild, and of all chase in wood or wilderness, forest or den. Sporting, the lion ramped, and in his paw dandled the kid. Bears, tigers, ounces, pards, gambled before them, the unwieldy elephant, to make them mirth, used all his might, and wreathed his lithe proboscis. Close, the serpent sly, insinuating, wove with Gordian twine his bearded train, and of his fatal guile gave proof unheeded. Others on the grass couched, and now filled with pasture, grazing sat, or bedward ruminating, for the sun declined, was hasting now with prone career to the ocean isles, and in the ascending scale of heaven the stars that usher evening rose. When Satan, still in gaze as first he stood, 
scarce thus at length failed speech recovered sad oh hell what do mine eyes with grief behold into our room of bliss thus high advanced creatures of other mould earth-born perhaps not spirits yet to heavenly spirits bright little inferior whom my thoughts pursue with wonder and could love so lively shines in them divine resemblance and such grace the hand that formed them on their shape hath poured ah gentle pair ye little think how nigh your change approaches when all these delights will vanish and deliver ye to woe more woe the more your taste is now of joy happy but for so happy ill secured long to continue and this high seat your heaven ill fenced for heaven to keep out such a foe as now is entered yet no purposed foe to you whom i could pity thus forlorn though i unpitied league with you i seek and mutual amity so straight so close that i with you must dwell or you with me henceforth my dwelling haply may not please like this fair paradise your sense yet such except your maker's work he gave it me which i as freely give hell shall unfold to entertain you too her widest gates and send forth all her kings there will be room not like these narrow limits to receive your numerous offspring if no better place thank him who puts me loath to this revenge on you who wrong me not for him who wronged and should i at your harmless innocence melt as i do yet public reason just honour and empire with revenge enlarged by conquering this new world compels me now to do what else though damned i should abhor so spake the fiend and with necessity the tyrant's plea excused his devilish deeds then from his lofty stand on that high tree down he alights among the sportful herd of those four-footed kinds himself now one now other as their shape served best his end nearer to view his prey and unespied to mark what of their state he more might learn by word or action marked about them round a lion now he stalks with fiery glare then as a tiger who by chance hath spied in some purlieu two gentle fawns at play straight couches close then rising changes oft his couchant watch as one who chose his ground whence rushing he might surest seize them both gripped in each paw when adam first of men to first of women eve thus moving speech turned him all ear to hear new utterance flow sole partner and sole part of all these joys dearer thyself than all needs must the power that made us and for us this ample world be infinitely good and of his good as liberal and free as infinite 
that raised us from the dust and placed us here in all this happiness, who at his hand have nothing merited, nor can perform aught whereof he hath need, he who requires from us no other service than to keep this one, this easy charge, of all the trees in paradise that bear delicious fruit so various, not to taste that only tree of knowledge, planted by the tree of life. So near grows death to life, whate'er death is, some dreadful thing, no doubt, for well thou knowst, God hath pronounced it death to taste that tree, the only sign of our obedience left, among so many signs of power and rule conferred upon us, and dominion given over all other creatures that possess earth, air, and sea. Then let us not think hard one easy prohibition, who enjoy free leave so large to all things else, and choice unlimited of manifold delights. But let us ever praise him, and extol his bounty, following our delightful task to prune these growing plants, and tend these flowers, which were it toilsome, yet with thee were sweet. To whom thus Eve replied, O thou, for whom and from whom I was formed, flesh of thy flesh, and without whom am to no end my guide and head, what thou hast said is just and right, for we to him indeed all praises owe and daily thanks, I chiefly, who enjoy so far the happier lot, enjoying thee preeminent by so much odds, while thou, like concert to thyself, canst nowhere find. That day I oft remember, when from sleep I first awaked, and found myself reposed under a shade on flowers, much wondering where and what I was, whence thither brought and how, not distant far from thence, a murmuring sound of waters issued from a cave, and spread into a liquid plain, then stood unmoved, pure as the expanse of heaven. I thither went, with unexperienced thought, and laid me down on the green bank, to look into the clear smooth lake, that to me seemed another sky. As I bent down to look, just opposite, a shape within the watery gleam appeared bending to look on me. I started back, it started back, but pleased I soon returned. Pleased it returned as soon, with answering looks of sympathy and love. There I had fixed mine eyes till now, and pined with vain desire, had not a voice thus warned me. What thou seest, what there thou seest, fair creature, is thyself. With thee it came and goes, but follow me, and I will bring thee where no shadow stays thy coming, and thy soft embraces, he whose image thou art, him thou shall enjoy inseparably thine, to him shalt bear multitudes like thyself, and thence be called mother of human race. What could I do, but follow straight, invisibly thus led? Till I espied thee, Fair indeed, and tall under a platon, yet methought less fair, less winning soft, less amiably mild, than that smooth watery image. Back I turned, thou following, criedst aloud, Return, fair Eve, whom fliest thou? 
whom thou fliest, of him thou art, his flesh, his bone. To give thee being, I lent out of my side to thee, nearest my heart, substantial life, to have thee by my side, henceforth an individual solace dear. Part of my soul I seek thee, and thee claim my other half. With that thy gentle hand seized mine, I yielded, and from that time see how beauty is excelled by manly grace and wisdom, which alone is truly fair. End of Book 4, Part 1